Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Association Chat. It's an online discussion where we warm ourselves by the virtual fire with topics of the day, welcoming thought leaders and trailblazers alike to join up in this online home for the community. I'm the host of Association Chat, Kiki Letalien. And before we get started, I wanna say thank you to the Patreon patrons who support Association Chat. It takes many hours and lots of technology and lots of work and lots of coordination and lots of people to make all of this come together and you help make it happen. So we're going on 12 years, Association Chat's almost a teenager, and teenagers can be expensive. So thank you to the Patreon patrons who help to keep everything rolling and on, on to the show. So today I am talking with none other than the effervescent Cynthia Damore. Now, Cynthia is a longtime friend of mine. She's one of the first people that, in fact, that I followed and watched and read in the association space. So listen, when I say that I'm a big fan, I'm not just a big fan, like I care deeply about this person and Cynthia is absolutely amazing. That's why you're in for a treat today. She's spent the last 20 years helping leaders be successful. She's a champion for overachievers. She's the author of several books, including The Lazy Leader's Guide to Outrageous Results. She also hosts the new Improv for Overachievers workouts multiple times a week. The laughter-filled breaks help overachievers decrease stress and make work easier. And with that, let's welcome on to the show, Cynthia Damore. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, Kiki. <laughs> I am so excited to have you here. You know, um, we were talking about like previous iterations of association chat and you reminded me about like when you had come on and, and you know, the truth is, is talking with you is always a treat. It's always, it's always, it could always be a show, <laughs> but today we have people who are actually watching and, and able to be a part of it. And we're talking very specifically about this topic of overachievers and this idea of, of feeling like, you know, we're imposters, like we're faking it, like we're going to be found out. So my first question to you is, what is imposter syndrome anyway? <laughs> because neither of us have any idea about this whatsoever. What is this? Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, I'll tell you, I think it's actually like a form of hell. Mm. <clears throat> mm. When you look at it and you look at like overachievers and mm -hmm. their worth is based on achievement, and then you get into this, I've got to do this because I'm only useful and I'm only worthy if I do, right? If I perform, if I win, if I do whatever. And so then you, you do really well in school because at school, you know what's on the test, right? Yeah. Are you able yeah. to memorize? Yes. But in life, that's not the case work in the world don't play by the same rules all the time. So we get people into the space of trying to achieve and the rules are shifting. And so then people get promoted, they get given a task. It's like, oh my God, can I do this? Yeah. Thus the hell, because it's like, oh my God, will someone find out? Am I good enough? Can I do it? And they, that's just really a hard emotionally draining space for people to be in. And of course, when they hit that anxiety, it helps mm -hmm. to shut their brain down. So it's even harder to be successful. 
I mean, I'm so curious for the people who are actually, there are a lot of people who watch this later after it's been recorded, but for the people who are watching live, and I see some of you, I see, I see some metrics coming in that some of you are watching live. If you have the ability to type into the chat, just share a little bit on whether or not you yourself have, have experienced this feeling of this imposter syndrome, feeling like, you know, somebody's going to find out, you know, one of the things that you really focus on it has been leadership in all sorts of forms throughout the years, Cynthia. And, and anyone who knows you knows that you've been dealing with leaders, the lazy leaders, the not so lazy leaders. We're talking about overachievers today. Right. How, how do you know if you're an overachiever? You know, I don't even know that people need to ask that question because you're so trained to it. Mm -hmm. You know, think about it. It's, it's like a club. It's yeah. like, Oh, I'm an overachiever, you know, and where you wear it on your shirt, right? I'm an overachiever. It's this, you know, this whole badge. And now when people say, I'm an overachiever, I want to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. But I'm not sure if they'd yeah. throw their coffee at me or not if I said that. <laughs> I know. And I'm I'm seeing, I don't know if you're seeing it at the bottom of the screen, but Megan's saying 100%, absolutely, I have. Facebook user says, absolutely, more and more often as I grow my career. Michelle's saying, I've experienced it, still experiencing it. One of these days, someone will realize that it's just, it's just me. I have many times and yeah, Josie's saying, yep, totally understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we've all, it seems like we've all been mm -hmm. there, you know? Um, and I think anybody who says that they haven't, maybe they might be lying, you know, or maybe they have, maybe they've somehow conquered it, but <laughs> that's another question. Can you conquer it? Like, you know, we can work with it, but can right. we ever really truly conquer it? I don't know. I know I haven't. I can just say that. Well, and it's like, what have we done? If you look at what's out there for overachievers, a lot of it is, oh, you know, it's like compensation strategies, you know, like, okay, well, just ABC, one, two, three, get organized, Yeah. Um, you know, mm -hmm. do it so that um, you can take a breath, you know, every so often. And it's like, these are all lovely coping strategies, meditate, all that. <clears throat> but what I think is if you want to really break free from being an overachiever, it's like, you've got to change your, your shirt. You've got to change your OS. You need to update. Yeah. Cause being an overachiever is programmed into us as little kids. The overachiever OS. Well, it's, this is our operating system. So talk to me about that. How is it programmed into us when we're little kids? Because, you know, I definitely feel like all of this is resonating with me pretty deeply right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's programmed in because when we're kids, we're taught to be be a good girl you know, be a good boy. What are the expectations of that? Be mm -hmm. a good student, get good grades, right? And for some people, they actually, that doesn't resonate with them and they don't worry about being good. And they're the ones that aren't necessarily the overachievers and, you know, the, the imposters. But those of us who are like, oh my God, yeah, well, they see through you and you become this hardest critic because you're trying to be the best that you can. Because in our brains, what we're hearing is that love is transactional. Mm, oh, whoa. Okay. Right. Wow. That's pretty big. So oh, love is huge. transactional. Right. Because we're taught we have to perform. Right. You know, make us look good. Get the award, get the prize, get the grades. And if you don't, I'm so disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. Right. And as little kids, we don't know. Does disappointment mean we get kicked to the curb? Right. 
So, so no. something I'm going to bring up a comment that someone made earlier, and I think it's a lot of us are maybe in that zone. A lot of people are, are switching. They're either switching careers or they're finding new jobs. Um, John says, I, I just started a new job, so it's hitting me hard. And then I saw further down here, someone responded and said, John, biggest fear right there, wondering if they'll see through you, even though you're qualified. Yes. So is this someone who has, you know, maybe in the past, you know, they've learned that there's that in exchange for approval, in exchange for, you know, being the good, the good boy, like I have to behave a certain way, but I don't that know that necessarily on my own merits that, that I'm okay, you know, that I'm right. good enough. Because most overachievers, what do we do? We run through things, we get awards. I mean, when I was a little girl, I would go down to my grandmother's house in North Carolina and she was an insurance person, insurance woman, top salesperson in the state of North Carolina for decades, massive trendsetter. Mm -hmm. She had a trophy room. And as a little girl, I was trotted into that room every time we visited. And my mom and dad were not overachievers. They, they did well, but that just wasn't their thing the same way. But I had the family pressure. I was the oldest grandchild. It was my job to go out, to go forth and get trophies, right? And so throughout that, you know, I, I actually did have a trophy room at one point before it all burned away. And uh, I, it was never the joy of the process, right? Mm -hmm. It was never the joy of creating this parade for Michigan Week that, you know, the whole cities came out to see. It was never the, I, I doubled up this group or I tripled up this group. It was always, I've got to go to the next thing. Okay, I've got that check. Anybody notice? Am I okay? I got to get to the next thing because I didn't get enough. And so there's like this drive underneath you that comes in and it's so deep. So when John's saying like, I'm in this new job and I'm so, it's, it's scary, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't know if he used the word scary and I don't remember that, but it is scary. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, other people have been writing in Sierra says all the time, my new year's resolution is to be easier on myself. I'm always the hardest critic of my own work mm -hmm. and often feel like I'm failing only to get feedback that I'm exceeding expectations. And, and Sierra, how often can you hear that? See, right. that's one of the things is people will say you're, you're exceeding expectations, but then the next day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, we've got, I've got to go again. What if people find out? Yeah. Joanna says, I, I experience it all the time. Howard says, a culture where overachieving gar garners sympathy and offers a pathway to another operating system. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then John says, what role do you think recognition plays in this feeling of imposter syndrome? That's a really great question. What do yeah. you think about that one? Well, when you're an overachiever who feels like an imposter and you're running at this really high level of fear, it's hard to hear what people are saying and take it as truth. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, John, you can do to help ease this and help and be able to be able to hear it more is to actually start realizing how amazing you are as a person right now. Yeah. Because we are taught as overachievers that we're good as we produce, you know, we're as only as good as we achieve. Um, and just part of the shift is pausing and to say, you know, I'm amazing right now. And here's proof. And a lot of us who've been overachievers, we can't hear that because that's not who we've been. That's not how we hear ourselves. So even that simple pause of stopping, how am I amazing? Making a list and like really 
starting to try to believe it more will allow you to believe other people as well. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, and it's, I, um, I think sometimes I've been trying really hard to, um, accept positive notes from people versus only listening to the criticism as like proof that I'm less, you know, proof that I'm less than perfect, proof that I'm not good enough. Right. right. And I've been trying to take some of the positive and hold on to it a little bit longer because it feels so uncomfortable to me to, um, to just accept it, you know, like to just let it in. It's nice. Don't get me wrong. But even now, like, even now I'm like immediately like, you know, like, um, and I don't know why, I don't know why that's so difficult. Carol wrote here and I love Carol. Um, you know, Carol, Carol Vernon. And so disappointing when you discover that enough can never be enough, always driving for more. And Facebook user, can't see your name, but I'm glad you, that you posted this. I'd rather have proper guidance from leadership to reach goals successfully than recognition for stuff you feel like you're scrambling to achieve. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a really good point, too. You know, what's actually going to help me to get to that, to the next, the next step, the next thing? I don't know, though. You know, it's like... Um, why is it so hard for us and how can we help ourselves through this? Because what I've noticed for myself, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but what I've noticed for myself is that um, when imposter syndrome rears its ugly head, which it does all the time, like every day, you know, it can get in my way if I let myself get distracted by it. It can get in the way um, because I don't act the way that I would if I feel fully confident. I am hesitant to move forward in the way that that feels probably the most direct or the most honest. And that sometimes I think keeps me from moving in the directions that I might otherwise. And you know, I, I think that I've gotten better over the years, but some days are better than others. What are some things that you're doing to work with folks who are are dealing with this, this imposter syndrome, you know, maybe more now than they have before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's rampant right now. And part of that is because things are changing so much. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a really interesting research out there on um, overachievers and valedictorians. And that, you know, valedictorians, everyone wants their kid to be valedictorian, right? Smartest kid in the school. And what they found is that valedictorians actually tend to peter out earlier in their career because they're really good at taking tests and memorizing things and they're not used to change. They're not used to adapting. They're not used to creating. Mm. And so from that standpoint, you know, if we start thinking about it that way, how do we shift when we're all feeling this so much more is it's like, how do we get into this space where we become, you know, better at being okay with not knowing the answer? You know, or how do we get to the space where we can just really own ourselves? You know, mm -hmm. like what you're talking about, Kiki, it's you are your worst critic. And someone else had mentioned that as well. And we've been trained that, but I see that as being part of the reinforcers, you know, in our head that were installed in that original programming of mm -hmm. you're only as good as you produce. And yeah. if we can get you into that space where you're like, I'm good right now. And like, for me, I would say I'm in recovery and I'm probably about an 80% recovery level. There's definitely days and things in my life that will trigger it. 
And then I'll say to myself, wait a minute, my B level work is a plus in someone else's book. And so reminding myself that because I shoot so high or, you know, gold standard, my God, is that not embraced or uh, um, autographed in your underwear, monographed <laughs> in your underwear, right? Gold standard. Um, you didn't have, you didn't get those undies growing up? I didn't, boy, I oh, really didn't. But I feel, I feel like maybe I should uh, bring them into my life now. I don't know. The gold standard. <laughs> the gold standard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in many different styles and sizes um, right. <laughs> and I'll never fit any of you perfectly because you're simply not good enough. Oh my gosh. That is hilarious <laughs> and horrible and terrible. <laughs> Same time, right. But we're, we're taught that stuff. And until we can sit there and say, you know, wait a minute, I do do the gold standard and my gold standard is way higher than what's expected. So yeah. then I have room to breathe and get into that that space of being okay with, okay, you know, so it's not perfect. In today's yeah. world, we can't wait for perfect because it won't be relevant. I'm seeing my B-level work is someone else's A-plus work. Love that. I'm mm -hmm. seeing play in the B-zone. Yes. And, uh, and then, but also, yeah, but I don't want to have lower standards because other people have lower standards. Ah, yes. Spoken like a true overachiever. I know. And right? <laughs> I'm calling you out, Joanna. I see your Duolingo scores. I see them. I do. So the thing is, is what, where did these standards come from? Mm -hmm. And that's what really gets interesting is if we start looking at what is, what are these standards? Where and where did they come from? Why do we have them? And a lot of them were taught from the K-12 schools, you know, follow the rules to do it, get the hundred percent and so forth. However, you can be a total liability to a team if you are constantly going for that 110% um, of what you think it is without staying focused on what really needs to happen. I don't know if that makes sense. Like I can spot an overachiever like that if somebody, I see someone who's micromanaging, mm, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who look like at the lazy leader books and talking about martyr leaders who they've got to do it all themselves. It's, it's easier to do it myself and teach somebody those people are nine times out of 10, they're overachievers, yeah. right? And we can't trust other people to do the work and make us look as good as we need to be. So we have to, you know, or do the quality work that we're used to. And so when we're living in these shifting times, it's super hard. I mean, this is really the, with the COVID, all those changes and the stress and, you know, the AI type stuff kicking back up and holy crap, what were, how bad, you know? <laughs> yeah. How do you get a hundred percent on that? Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and a lot of people are really enjoying this underwear idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kathy's saying I didn't get them either. Oh, you know? it, it's definitely. Yeah. And, uh, and then we have, yes, that's why you feel imposter syndrome, wrong underwear brand. <laughs> yep. Now or you know the, wrong, the secret. <laughs> or the wrong size. Yes, yes. Uh, Carol says, love the idea of asking ourselves, what would you do here if you were feeling, if you were super confident? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a good point. And done is better than perfect. Always made me cringe, but understand the sen sentiment. And Karen with the perfect is the enemy of the good for sure. For sure. Well, and the, the whole perfect concept, I think it was more relevant decades ago. Now with the pace of change and the pace of play, your pursuit of perfect, which is what the gold standard was when we were growing up 
is now an outdated concept that will leave you in the dust. Mm -hmm. Because if you're looking, I'm not going to put my website up till I have the perfect, you know, copy and the perfect this and the perfect that. There's a lot of entrepreneurs who never get off the ground because they're waiting on perfect. Yeah. Right? And by the time they start writing, you know, a certain, you know, 1.0 AOL 1.0 is no longer relevant. Yeah. Absolutely. Joanna agrees. She says, I think perfectionists are different from overachievers. Perfectionists are never happy. They're the ones who don't trust and don't delegate. Perfect is the enemy of done is my mo motto. Yes, yeah, I totally agree with that. So um, what the research says is that overachievers and perfectionists are their overlay, overlay a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not necessarily 100%. But they definitely, they're kissing cousins because if you think about the overachiever, the way you achieve, you know, you're a good overachiever is by doing really good work. Mm -hmm. And so you can get caught in getting the 99% or the 100% and you want, I want to be the A plus person and that's just who I am, you know, and we think about it. We call ourselves like I am an overachiever. I am this versus I choose to have overachiever behaviors which I mean, sounds really weird, but it's, it explains why it can be hard to shift gears. Yeah. You know, cause I can hear in comments, even there's some like, wait a minute, you can't, don't disparage overachievers. I know. You know we're the good ones. Some of the people who are, who are uh, commenting on this, um, I've had conversations with them so that I know that they will recognize when um, I share that I, I will fool myself and have fooled myself in the past by saying things like, I'm not competitive, I'm not an overachiever. I, I just take myself out as if, as if, let's just pretend like all these things that I don't think that sound good don't apply to me. And I'm gonna pretend like I don't, I don't actually care about competing, I don't care about, I, I don't try to overachieve, I don't do this stuff. And it's such a lie. Like I realized, um, you know, and Lauren is one of them. She said over here, so easy to spot a perfectionist. Yeah. And so many justifications and yeah. qualifiers. Um, she's one that has called me out on this before and just said, oh, Kiki, you know, like you, I know you want to succeed. I know you're ambitious. Don't own that shit. You know, oh, excuse me, own that stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think that there are some of us who are out there who are very, very, very much in that overachiever camp, but we don't even want to claim it. And, and when we don't even claim that, we are probably even more susceptible to the imposter syndrome stuff because we're trying to pretend like it doesn't even matter anyway. <laughs> like it doesn't tell you know? until I make it, you know, I, I know I'm not really that good. Cause that's what you're really saying. I really, I know I'm not really that yeah, good. I'm yes, not that good yeah. to compete. I'm really not that great. Who's going to want me. So I will have to just fake it till I make it. Okay. Let's put gasoline on an imposter, right? Someone who feels like an imposter. Oh, yeah. just fake it till you make it. Well, now this feels really icky right? That's a technical term. And when things don't feel good, why do you want to run into it? Because that's what I do. I'm a superhero. I'm an overachiever. And <laughs> right. Yeah. What I hear from what you're saying, Kiki, is what a lot of people say is you do, it's like, if I don't overachieve success and overachievement go together. And I will argue that when we shift gears, you can be much more laid back, more pleasurable life, more easy work and have success. 
It doesn't, it's not like you have to pull back from being an overachiever. We're, we're doing an old OS. It's like, come on, this is a big change. Mm-hmm. And it's, the difference is, is where you get to the point where you know that you're, you're good. You know that the work you put out is quality. Mm-hmm. You know, you can enjoy the process and nobody can do it exactly like you because we're all individuals and we're lovely the way we are. Yeah. And that's yeah. why they pay you the big bucks is because you're fantastic as the person that they see you, that you are. But what we do is we start throwing this stuff up to being, you know, I'm an overachiever, I'm an imposter, I'm all this stuff, which actually takes away from the specialness that you offer and bring to the table. Interesting. Interesting. There's a lot to process there. Like I, I want to keep things moving for everyone who's watching, but I'm like, you know, my mind, if you can, can you see the steam coming yeah. out? Like there's a lot going on. Uh, Lauren says, I wonder what would happen if achievement was removed from our vocabulary. And John, our friend John here is saying, hate fake it until you make it. Just do the best you can and keep improving. Mm-hmm. And Facebook user says, yes, success equals overachieving in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's tough. Make it till you make it. <laughs> that's actually a really, that actually makes a lot of sense. That is, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I love it. And uh, Facebook user says, I'm guilty of this. Oh, so many yeah. of us are. It's, yeah. it's a really trendy space to be in. You know, I go back okay. to like, ah, oh, I'm an overachiever. It's, yeah, but you're not that, it's hard to have a really happy life. Except yeah. when you're an overachiever, you may take it then into, like I have a friend who is an overachiever and she does four things every night. Her four things every night? Time. Oh yeah, she does cocktails with one person in class here. She bakes with her daughter. Then she does this. And I'm like, how in the heck do you breathe? Yeah. And if she yeah. doesn't slow down that pace, she's incredibly uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. That you're doing right because overachievers are taught that time is what matters. You put more time in and it's going to get better. Yeah. We we really hook on to that keep showing up, just like showing up thing, you know, like keep, 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 and something will happen, you know. And uh sometimes it does, right? But um other times we burn out, and that's that's a real danger. Well, and if you look at the research on brains. You know, people will say, just, you know, get out of the box. Tell an overachiever to get out of the box who has <laughs> just signed for four certifications. Yay! For the people who listen to this as an audio podcast, the, the comment that just went up on the screen is, oh, geez, I just signed up for four certifications. <laughs> right, right. Oh, Lauren's saying, where's the enjoyment? Right. Oh, Why yeah. do we define success as accomplishment instead of success as feeling really good. Mm, mm-mm, mm-hmm. Okay. More so feeling really good. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is making me feel it, feel really good. Okay. If I'm living in my zone of genius as gay Hendrix, what is it? Gay Hendrix. I love, I love that living in my zone of genius. Then this would be, I, I'm looking for the things where it, it is feeling good. It is something that is tapping into where I'm excellent and, and I'm feeling more confident because I'm more in tune with doing the things that I'm good at, you know, and that I feel good fun. doing. And that's fun. And fun's, fun's fun. allowed. I can have fun. And in fact, maybe fun makes things better. Right. That's what's been really interesting doing the improv with the overachievers 
because I'm, I'm calling them workouts now because it's, when they first started, it fries their brain. I'm coming in, I'm doing improv exercises and I don't know what the answer is. What's the answer? And the answer yeah. is yes. You know, it's like whatever you say, we play with and make and getting comfortable with that. I can have fun. And then the interesting thing is they bounce off other people. And so when you need to be creative and stuff, you only have what you have in your brain. So bouncing off other people, even in something fun like improv, um, helps you to think in new ways, which then takes you back to work where it's easier. Oh my goodness. Right? So yeah. we sit there and we're like, I can, I'll just put more time in. I'll figure this out. Where the brain research is all about, get out with other people, bounce off other people, you know, get different perspectives, look in different ways. Improv, we can think a certain way. Improv is probably the it's probably the most brilliant way I can think of that you like you bringing improv to the overachiever as a way to to defeat imposter syndrome is brilliant my dirty little secret is that I haven't done real improv since I mean since I was in doing drama in like high school and then and then later even um maybe a an exercise that I got put into, but improv is scary for, for people who are overachievers because, you know, I, at least I can say on, on my part, I want to know what I'm walking into and what's going to happen and what's going to be expected. And um, improv isn't that right. Well, I mean, like what we're doing are just a lot of basic warm up exercises. So it's safe. Yeah. You have me to be the, you know, if anybody's mean, right? I, go, yeah. but, I mean, nobody's mean. We're too busy laughing. Yeah. And that whole idea of, yeah, the first step is the hardest. You got to trust yourself to walk in there. But once you start doing it, I find it takes like eight, 10 experiences before we can finally like, okay, this is here. I got it. You know, because you're like used to, oh, I just goofed, right? And yeah, we, um, I was in a troop and we had a guy from South Africa in it. And you get, you know, you get the suggestions from the audience about what to do the, the scene about. And so they collected them on paper in advance. He pulled out his suggestion and it was linoleum. He's South, from South Africa. He doesn't speak American that well. Uh -huh. Linoleum. And so Frank had no idea. Linoleum. And every time he came back on the stage, he had a different definition from linoleum. None of them are right. And he stole the show. That would be he perfect. That would be perfect for improv. <laughs> yeah. And it's like as overachievers, how he just owned whatever he came up with. And it's such a gift to start giving yourself that breathing space. Mm. Mm. Breathing space sounds really good. Lauren says, we're all doing improv. We just aren't giving it credit. There you go. And I see Facebook user, you say it definitely is. I don't know what at what point this came up. My goal is to find peace in my day to day, but one or two things on the side isn't so bad. It's the maxing out that points to a bigger issue at hand. Yes. And Kathy says, and I always thought improv was scary because I tend to be introverted, but the overachiever angle makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. That definitely. And I so talk to me a little bit about you were talking about it takes what was it? Seven to eight, eight touches, eight, eight experiences. Yeah. What I found is it takes, I usually think about eight to 10, you come in and you're nervous and mm -hmm. I don't know the answer. And yeah. then you start getting more comfortable. And then you come in like this, the next eight to 10, it's like, 
I got this. I can do this. And it starts getting fun. And you'll notice it start really spilling over into work. Like think on my feet. No problem. Got to shift an answer. No problem. I can do that. And you can hear better. And then the next eight to 10 um, experiences, people start noticing. Like you've internalized it enough that people say, you know, did you get your hair cut? I'm not sure what's different about you, but you just seem like you're happier. Who's your stylist, you know, and or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're easier to work with. You're more open to different potential, different ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, it just is like you can chill out a bit because, you know, no matter what comes at you, you can at least have something to say. See, now that that actually sounds so that makes it feel safer to me because I'm I'm right now and I don't know about those of you who are listening or watching this right now, like what you're if you're with me on this. But right now, what I just heard her say helped me to slide, slide improv and slide doing this work into, ah, this can help me in the workplace. It's now officially OK for me to do this because I can use this at meetings when people bring things up and yes, I might be okay at responding extemporaneously to things that I don't expect, but this will let me tap into things more creatively and maybe have fun with it, which to me, that sounds like less stress and sounds very appealing, you know? Well, and you're laughing through the whole thing and laughter is a fantastic, you know, crinkler of energy, right? We laugh, yeah. we get release. And with all the mental health stuff going on right now and the pressures and COVID and being home and all that, to me, getting to come and do a uh, 50-minute release where I laugh and then I feel refreshed. It's like a spa for my mind. A spa for my mind. Oh, right? my gosh. So what is it like? So when somebody comes in and does improv, when, when so we're calling, the, are they work, their workouts? Yes? Mm -hmm. okay. I'm calling them workouts because... It's a set of skills that you keep building, right? Mm -hmm. When it's not enough, um, you come in and we get, I get you the, you know, here's the big picture. Here's what improv is. We're okay. going to do it. And then you go out into, I give you an exercise and then we go into um, uh, breakout rooms to actually do it. So you, it's in and out. You're okay. doing different exercises with people. And I'm throwing right now, I'm putting on the bottom of the screen, uh, your Twitter handle. I'm also going to be putting up the uh, link to your website and also how people can contact you through email. I'm not closing things out, folks. I'm just putting these up there be because usually I am doing this all throughout and I got carried away talking to you, Cynthia. So <laughs> like, I need to catch up. And, and so this is your shot, everyone. If you want to reach out and find out more information, you can write it down as we're talking, right? There we go. Yes. So in the, the website's yes.iwantolaugh.com. Oops, oh, I have this one. Limited. Okay, but I can get the other one. I can get the other one. And this is your email. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. yes.iwantolaugh.com. I thought it was like more in capturing, you know, what's going on. I love that. Yeah, yeah. no, that's awesome. So seriously, you spend that whole time going in and out, doing improv, coming back. And people will say things like, oh, my God, my face hurts. I haven't laughed this much in a year. Um, I love that. That's yeah. so perfect. Okay. I am updating this link so that we have the yes, I want to laugh.com. I just yes, went over and looked at really. So yes, dot, I want go. to laugh.com. There we go. And this is a fantastic 
website. I love it. I'm looking at it. And there are all these dates that are coming up. So if you're listening to this right now, the very next date that you have, this is as of right now, it's the Mar March 9th, but the very next date is March 16th. But you have these regularly. I'm doing them every Tuesday and Thursday at one o'clock East Eastern time. Okay. Just because people, you know, I was doing them sporadically to see the tests and stuff and it made such a difference in people's workday. Yeah. You know, and if we can get people out of stress, we can get them to think, you know, go back, you think better, you feel better. That helps overachievers breathe more easily. And once you start realizing that you don't have to be all stressed out all the time, oh my gosh, there's a whole world waiting for you. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, what happens? So what have you been seeing with the people who are going through? Because at this point you've, you've been, not only have you been doing improv and doing leadership work for a long, long time, mm -hmm. but, um, but you have also been holding these workouts for people, um, for a while now, when did you start doing this particular program with folks? Well, you know, I've been weaving it through and I've been speaking for years. Yeah. So it's been just a steady, a steady thing to, no matter what I did, I was weaving it in Yeah. a um, couple months with the, the, yes, I want to laugh.com just cause I wanted to really test it. It's like, I think this could be really cool. And I see it helping people like people get promotions, they grow their business. They have all these things happen because when you start leaning into just being okay, you get that mm -hmm. little relax in there. And you can start having the potential to see yourself as I could do this. Yeah. Right. So really being successful in improv can be a way to build your confidence. Like, yeah, I, I got this going on. I know you do. I know no, you I'm do. saying you can say that too, Kiki. <laughs> no, not yet. Uh -oh. <laughs> says it's impossible to do an improv workout. I know or I need it. I need it. I do. And I've been meaning to do it, but I swear, like when I say that, um, when I say that the thing that has been holding me up is this fear of you just, you, an overachiever, you know, you fear failing, you fear, trust me. I fear not being good enough. I fear not showing I up. never set you know. that up like that. Yeah. No. So we're safe is what you're, you're saying. You're safe. Yes. No, because, and I've done this with hundreds of people at one time, even, um, and we don't do the camera. So people say, can I watch the video afterwards? No, <laughs> sorry. No, no. blackmail. Yeah. Um, and when the, someone said about how they can't think when they're stressed, that's because your brain shuts down. As soon as you get into anxiety, your brain starts to shut down. So doing improv and the laughter is like putting little fireworks across your brain. It like lights up your brain because you're laughing. So it like teaches you. Yeah. It teaches you. It teaches you. You're teaching your brain to respond to stressors in different ways mm -hmm. so that you respond in, in different ways. So We're teaching you to release it. Yeah. Karen asks, is that why overachievers love school? We know exactly what we need to, to get 100% in a class, but real life doesn't work that way. So we keep working harder and harder, trying to score 100% that doesn't exist. I know. Where is that 100%? Where's my gold star, Karen? Where is Karen, it? You nailed it. That is exactly yeah. the challenge and the driver. And then there's that whole thing, you know, so you're, you, you love school, you know, you can produce there, you go, you go, you go, you use what worked in school to get that 100% in life. It doesn't work for can people don't follow the path. You know, they, they come up with weird reasons for stuff that wasn't in the book. Um, and so then what we do is as overachievers, as you start to do it more, I know if I study more, I can get my grade up. 
Yeah. And you take time away from your life and it's harder to have a great relationship because you can't leave work, you know, at work. Right. And now with it being at home, boom. Howard says, and he's, he's, uh, he's actually watching us over on LinkedIn. And so I would say, you know, you LinkedIn folks, you're overachieving. You're over on LinkedIn for a reason, aren't you? You're like you know, the professional social network. Uh, Howard says doing improv builds a muscle that most of us have rarely even flexed. Yes, that is true. Yeah. That could you true. imagine doing improv at school? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the teacher says, uh, and when on Thursdays, the school, uh, the sky is green. Well, yes. And it's, dogs fly through with sparkles on their heads. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I need this. Clearly, I need this. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking of the dogs with sparkles on their head and kind of living in that moment for a second. Karen says gold stars for Kiki and Cynthia. I'm still trying to get that 100% at life. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> oh, no, we don't need the 100% because the 100% is based on um, old standards. So your 100% mm. is like if you pulled out a typewriter. And mm. remember when we did typing classes, and I don't know if you ever did typing classes. Um, it was like you had to type so many words per minute. And like in my school, college bound kids had to get up to 30 words a minute. Oh my gosh. I mean, who can't type 30 words a minute now? You just like sort of think and your fingers move while your brain goes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that 100% is based on, you know, parameters and rules and structures that don't, they're not relevant. They're mm -hmm. not current. And so we're bringing that into this space. It's like playing, um, chess with checkers, mm -hmm. right? We're playing checkers. Now we're playing a game of chess called life and work. And you're still playing with checkers trying to get a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Ooh, John, John says my son has autism, which is highly affected by anxiety. So I love the thought of laughter, creating fireworks in your brain to wake it up as it's one way he can get out of the anxiety rut. I, I really, I don't know if um, a lot of people know this, but I've actually really struggled seri with serious social anxiety. And I, I um, it, it's part of the reason why when I have gone to conferences and stuff, I used to over imbibe. I don't do that anymore. But, um, you know, I would end up like hiding out for a day in my room because it, it's just like overwhelming to, to be with people in person. And it is something very similar. I've heard um, other people talk about when people are on the autism spectrum that they will often have these anxiety issues where they want to know what the rules are before they, they want clear, they want clarity around the rules before they go into an experience. And I can identify because I have that high um, amount of anxiety. It's the same thing. What are the rules? You know, even with dropping off my daughter at, um, she had a, a socially distanced safe, but it was a, a drama audition thing for her new school. And we took her last night and I'm like, okay, exactly what time do we need to drop her off? Exactly what door? Exactly where is it? Like I needed all of the details. And, um, what you're talking about right here, Cynthia, gives me hope that, you know, there's a little bit of anxiety that can be released when there are new ways to have fun with the unexpected, you know, when we're given a situation and we're given the chance to play around with it a little bit. And you've always been good about that. You've always been really good about 
the creative and playing around with ideas. So I love that there's like this structure to it. Mm -hmm. And what you'll, what you'll find when you start attending Kiki is that uh, with the improv stuff, it looks like it's a free for all, you know, and a lot of life looks like it's a free for all because we don't have those rules like we had in K-12 education. Mm -hmm. What you will learn is there are, there's parameters or frames that you can learn to work with so that when, oh, got to take daughter to new school and this, well, here's, here's my normal space, or here's just a little checklist. Having a checklist is not a big deal. You yeah. know, that just makes sure she gets, so that's okay. So it's like, you'll start learning, like, here's things. So as much as improv has no right answers, it also has structure. Yeah. And when we're yeah. out there, you know, and then John is in his new job and it's like, there's, there's no, I don't know. Yeah. You don't know, but you do know what you do know. That is how to start attacking an issue versus having the answer of the issue. Megan says, I did it in college in a class. Comedy in 3D was the name of the class. Amazing. It was an English class. Ooh, and then Reed says, I know, I know. I'm like, awesome class. I wish I had gone to, now I'm going to, but Cynthia, I'm, I'm signing up for the next, the very next workout that you have. Reed says, I think I got lost when I went to yes.iwant.tocry.com. <laughs> This is the perfect opportunity for me to put up the actual, actual, accurate website. Yes. Dot. I want to laugh.com. Funny. Okay, read, funny we all yes. have strategies for coping. We do. We do. We'll, we'll laugh through the tears. Right. <laughs> yes. And give them different names and on we go. Yeah. Yeah. Then, right. You know, that's, that's a big part of it. Like with overachievers. Oh my God, I went to the wrong space, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, who cares? You know? Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll yep. find something better. Yeah. You know, I would yeah. date Mr. Google mm -hmm. if I was single. <laughs> I, what would James say? I love that James is, is I wish that on one of these interviews, we're going to have to have James come into the frame mm -hmm. too, because he's such a big part. Anyone who doesn't know, James is amazing. James Damore, but. Um, James is my husband. I should say that <laughs> up front. James yeah. is my mysterious friend who likes to make me feel happy. <laughs> no, oh. never mind. <laughs> so, Karen, that's another show. Um, so Karen said, I love what Cynthia said about knowing how to attack an issue, not necessarily the answer. I feel like my biggest professional growth was when I realized I'm good at asking the right questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, Karen. And a big one that I love to work with is what do I really want out of this? You know, what's the, yeah. what's the real purpose? Why are we trying to do this? Um, and it just all slices of life. You can sit there and ask, well, what's, what is the, really the goal of this? Mm -hmm. Because in everything we do, there's old traditions that can come up and try and, you know, rule your life, even if it's not really the fit, but do I try and fit or do I not? Um, so it's just really good to start looking at like, what is the question? What's important? How is this relevant to me? And how can I shine in my natural mm -hmm. space versus trying to fit everything else? Yeah, I love that. Well, so, okay. So we're talking a lot about, you know, once people have identified that they're overachievers and that they suffer from imposter syndrome, you know, one of the things that they can do, they can go through and, um, you know, 
try doing like the workouts. They can try to um, think about things in a different way that maybe it's not going after the gold star every time, but it's actually understanding that you're good enough right now. And that that's, you know, to believe in your competence. I want to pause that just, I'm going to word pick you. Okay, please. Because you said I'm good enough right now. Yeah. What overachiever wants to be good enough? Is it like, oh my God, I can't believe I can be good enough. Yeah. To me, that's like, that's mind boggling. I would prefer to have people say, I'm, I'm freaking amazing. Well, I would prefer that too, but I'm going with a. And they are lucky that I'm working on this. They're lucky I said yes to this job. You know, when you can really own your power and you just like get into that, being an imposter is irrelevant because you're being you. And it's really hard to be an imposter as you. Yeah. Right. But people hire you and they want you because of you. And we go and screw it up by trying to be perfect, Mm. which isn't necessarily our standards that we're trying to do. (laughs) I love that look on your face. No, I'm just I'm thinking through it because the I've got I've got warring warring rules in my head right now. Mm -hmm. So I've got that on one side and then I've got the, you know, my, my B is, you know, somebody else's A plus warring in my head. And I'm like, oh, but wait, that doesn't sounds like it's conflicting. And I'm about to, so like my, my inner computer is, is wanting to break (laughs) down. There were the rules. They don't match. I don't understand. Yeah. Catherine's like, Stuart Smalley, we're all good enough. Yes. Yes. And, and Karen says, yes, ask why five times to really get to the bottom of it. And Lauren says, stop shitting on yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how you think, Lauren. I know. I do, too. She's awesome. She is awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So it's very interesting that, that even with um, all of the work that we do, this imposter syndrome stuff, it keeps popping up. It's pretty resilient, right? It's going to keep, even if we are, um, you know, even if we get to know some more tools, it it will likely pop up again. It's very trained. Yeah. So how do we stay vigilant in knowing, you know, when it's present so that we can address that? And so I'm going to word pick again. Okay. Because vigilance is like, oh, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Where the imposter syndrome was designed as a warning system under the f- original operating system. Right. So oh, you feel like an imposter. You may not be doing enough. I mean, it's like work harder, work harder. You're not good enough. They're going to find out. It's like your motivational coach who came from some weird planet where they're not. the. It's like not the positive motivational coach. It's the you're going to be found out. You don't know what you're doing. So when we get vigilant, it's like we're at war with ourselves. You're never going to win. Yeah. Right? However, if you become aware of yourself, see how I'm shifting to a different uh, modality even? You can notice things like, for me, it's like, um, like I am, I love to say, is this pleasurable? Is this fun? Does this feel good? And so for another way, it's like, is this expansive or is it contraction? Expansive is the, the fun place where you can work brilliantly. It's easy. Contraction, oh my God, I'm not good enough. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Right? We start protecting ourselves and hu- curl up. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good indicator. And instead of being judgmental, because vigilance here, that's like a negative word in, in many ways, the way you're using it. So can we? how can we just become aware of ourselves? Does this feel good? Is it open? 
or is it contracting? And so mm -hmm. for me, when I start feeling contracting in my body, it is, I see it as my body communicating with me to check out what's going on. That's mm -hmm. it. Because sometimes our mouth and our brain are saying yes, when our body's like, oh, heck no, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Howard says, that's so true. I'll hire this person because I know that the day they start, they'll be so much more perfect than what they gave me in this interview. And the interview said no hiring manager ever. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Howard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, because they learned the answers to how to interview to give the perfect answers because they're an overachievers who are acting like imposters because they want you to hire them, but they don't know if you should hire them. But they might be good enough. But if they're not, they're not going to try and tell you because they really want the job. I can go on. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I had a couple of questions that I wanted to make sure that we got to. I mean, one of them is what made you decide to help people with this problem? And the other one is, um, well, I'll let you answer that because we've got about seven minutes. So I want to make sure that you get a chance to answer that one. You know, I have ever since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with how to hack things. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to get the biggest bang for the buck. And whether it was my effort, my money, whatever, it was like some little thing that I got interested in. And the overachiever, imposter syndrome stuff. I mean, I'm, I had a trophy room, remember? Until it burned down in a fire, I had a trophy room. And that for me was like my, my the gift of the great fire was that I lost everything and I found myself. Mm -hmm. And so I started because I had to rebuild and I had no proof of amazingness. I had to count on me. And then I started learning things about how I had been limited and how it felt different and what it was okay. So this has probably been a 15-year um, odyssey journey, and it makes such a difference in people when they get to it, you know, when they can buy into it and just try it and uh, start seeing a different life. They're, they get, you know, better relationships. Their kids are happier. The world's a better place. I'm out to save the world, darn it. I know that these people... <laughs> are amazing enough that even if they breathe and have fun, the world will be a better place. Yeah. Lauren, she says, I've, I've found the best way to work with people suffering from imposter syndrome is to build evidence to the contrary and create a curriculum to fill in the gaps where they need more skills, experience, or development. Objectivity is our friend. And then Facebook user says, for women and BIPOC presumed incompetence, prove it again, bias feeds straight into imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Yes. And that's why it becomes so, so super important to get to that space where you can own yourself mm -hmm. and you walk in. And um, I've done a lot of work with very alpha male type organizations, military construction, um, protection, and getting into that space where power respects power um, it's the more we own ourselves, the more we can, we think we've been taught it's by our work, right? How much we do, how good we are is how we get the points. And the reality is, is what people respect is how well you own yourself. And then everything else comes more easily. Well, I've got, so this has been just a fascinating time. I, I um, I have a question that I did not prepare you with ahead of time because there is something that happens week after week that we've been doing. And that is um, in the private community, private Facebook community for association chat. We ask a question of the week and mm -hmm. of our 
podcast guests, we ask that question. So this week's question is what's something that in your experience is over romanticized, but does not live up to the hype? <laughs> okay. Some of my first answers are things I can't say. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say something that's pretty radical. And I actually think it's the, is education. And I'm a former teacher. I was an eighth grade history wow. teacher. Yeah. And I think that we've been taught, you know, a lot of us were taught, go to school, go to college, get good grades, you'll be set for life. And I feel like we've limited the perspective of what's possible because we have this very narrow path that we've been taught to go on. So while it's romanticized, you know, you get this great job, you're going to be good forever, blah, blah, blah. To me, like a lot of the trades are fantastic and people who can create and are innovate and the artists. And there's just so many other ways that are beautiful expressions of ourselves that a lot of us shoved down and didn't embrace because we were doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. So that would be my, that education path to get the college degree so you can be somebody. That's fascinating. I mean, I have heard, I've heard a lot of people who have really put a, a question mark around, um, you know, whether our higher education system, whether our education system is really um, doing what it should, it, it, whether it is what it should be, and whether it provides opportunity that it should um, for people who are going into it now, how it compares to what it was in the past and whether all of that needs to change. And there's definitely, boy, that's a much bigger conversation, but it's a really great answer to that question. Um, so how can people find out more about imposter syndrome, improv, and working with you as if they're overachievers and they, or they suspect that they are, and they suspect that they have an issue with imposter syndrome, what should they do? And they are willing to explore it. And they're willing to explore that it. Yes. One. Yeah. Yes. So the easy first step is to check out one of the improv workouts at yes, yes.iwanttolaugh.com. Um, Cause that'll give you just a real, a nice break, um, get you some stress off and let you start getting that ability to really see, is this, does this feel better? Do I work mm -hmm. better when I come from laughter? And that's just a really beautiful space to start versus, oh, fix me. You don't need to be fixed. Yeah. It's not about fixing you. It's about appreciating you and celebrating you and owning how fabulously delicious and amazing you are, my friend Kiki. Oh, thank you very much, Cynthia. I really it's appreciate true. that. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much. And everyone, you know, we have to check out what this workout is all about. Maybe some of you have, maybe some of you will, maybe some of you have already signed up for it while we were talking with Cynthia today. But for one, just one thing I want to make sure that you do, I want to make sure that you give yourself a little bit of a break. If you're an overachiever, if you suffer from imposter syndrome, if you're somebody who maybe is hard on yourself and you think that that's the thing that's going to push you to excellence, ah, maybe we should just be looking for a little bit more fun in what we're doing every day, right? I mean, maybe that's that's not so bad. So I want to thank Cynthia for coming on and talking with us today. Um, like I said, she's an amazing person. You have to check out yes.iwanttolaugh.com and find out more about ways that you can 
overcome this imposter syndrome and overcome some of those issues surrounding being an overachiever that may get yourself in your own way. She can help us with that. And in the meantime, let's just keep asking questions. We need to keep asking questions to learn every day. Because why? Because as Joseph Campbell once said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week, everyone.